is from Matthew chapter 12, and it's verses 1 to 14. And that can be found on page 977 of the Church Bibles. At that time, Jesus went through the cornfields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some ears of corn and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what what isn't unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you, that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Thanks, Morag. It's uh, so good to be with you. It's so good that you're here. For some of us, it's uh, a miracle that you're here. Well done. Um, Hopefully, you're enjoying the the snowpocalypse, the snowmageddon. We're going to relate to that in a bit. But before we get into our message this morning, um, I just always think it's good to take a little bit of the time to think, what are you expecting from a sermon? What are you expecting from church as we gather here? Um, Getting ready to engage with the scriptures is something really worth just taking a moment to say, God, what am I expecting today? Um, Whenever we expect that a sermon will be long, it's amazing, it usually is. Whenever we expect a sermon might be, you know, uh, not biblical enough, it's amazing, it usually is. Um, If we expect that it's not relevant, it usually is. And when we expect God to speak to us and we anticipate that he is here with us, um, we open ourselves up to him. So I'm committed to pursuing what God wants to to say to us. I'm committed to finding out what he has for us in this scripture. And uh, why don't don't we all just take a moment to pray and to just uh, come before God and say, Lord, speak to us just now. Father, this is um, a privilege to be here. We thank you that we're here in safety and in warmth. And we pray that you would speak to us just now. We thank you that a story about Jesus walking through a field has power and has uh, a message for us here today in 2018 in a freezing Edinburgh. And we thank you for what you're doing here, God. Amen.
Sabbath, cease, end, and rest. It's from these uh, words, shin, bet, taf, cease, end, rest, Sabbath. Celebrating Sabbath has a sense of this ceasing and resting. And, and quite often when we start sermons or messages, you know, my, my good old preaching lecturer said, always start with a story. And uh, I don't really have a story this morning. I have a hunch. I have a very strong hunch that the idea of ceasing and resting might be quite close to a lot of us this week. Am I, am I completely far off that ceasing from activity uh, is relatable? This week, we had to cease, and the whole country just sort of stopped. It was bizarre. I mean, the turnoff on the motorways, they're, they're done. I don't know how it was for you, but I, I think it was, it was wild, wasn't it? It was just messages of every road closure and every deer that run about the streets of Dunkeld. Like, this is serious. When there were deer running on the streets of Dunkeld, we need to, we need to do something about this, hey? It was, it was wild. I don't know, maybe it was, it was quite intense for you, and just having to stop is really frustrating. I wonder if just, just for a minute... Why don't you uh, turn to the person next to you, safe chat, don't worry, is, and just say, what was the most frustrating thing about uh, the snowmageddon? The most frustrating thing for you about ceasing? Go for it, and, and don't get too angry. <laughs> All right. Hopefully we have a sense of that. No one's writing letters and angry emails just yet. We can, we can kind of contain that passion. Um, maybe one of the most devastating things was, was this site in uh, Tesco. This is, I'm going to put a health warning on this, okay. That is the empty milk shelf in Tesco, or maybe it was no bread. It was tough. I didn't know people ate that much toast, I'll be totally honest. Um, it, it, was, it was alarming for some, um, and it disrupted so much. Um, just to affirm Tesco, other brands are also not available. Maybe you had a, maybe you had a really great time. Maybe you went sledging, or built a snowman, or built an igloo, or uh, slipped away. How did that get up there, Alison? Interesting. How did that, how did that get up there? <laughs> Maybe you had a really, a really positive experience of it. I noticed that people came together, that people really seemed to rally around each other. I went to um, the Rocco Pier, which is a, a great wee place down the front in Queensbury, which was about the only thing open. And we just found ourselves, every time the, the waitress came and brought us a drink, like, thank you so much. Thank you. Like, we're, thank you for being open. And then she came back with the burgers. Ah, oh, we so appreciate your time. And the place was full and everyone was, was loving it. We went to the Tesco checkout and we just said, thank you. So, how are you? How are you? I've never been so interested in someone at the checkout in my life. Are you okay? Will you get home safe? Maybe it was really positive. People were gritting each other's drives and streets and had general concern, the usual um, keep eyes to the front, drive forward, Edinburgh Street style was, was changed by people looking around and looking out for their neighbors. So take notice of what it was like to cease, to have to rest, to have to end your working day early perhaps. 
Because our culture really struggles with ceasing. It really just doesn't like it, eh? We might come in and say, how was the day? Busy. Busy day. Um, calendars are just, just full. It's like wallpaper, back to back. We can plan to the hilt and never plan rest, never cease, never end, never stop. We, we think, hey, if it's not in the calendar three months ahead, it's not going to happen. We don't, we don't have time, it seems. This one thing, which we probably, other than air, is the one thing we all have the same amount of, 24 hours, gets grabbed and it gets hijacked by so many things. Great things, the best stuff. But at times, it's, it's intense. Work, study, family, friends, hobbies, cooking, cleaning, children, grandchildren, sports, the king of all time eaters, Netflix. And then along comes this traditional idea of Sabbath. I don't know what it was for you. Maybe it was the day growing up that the shops were shut. Maybe it was the day you weren't allowed to watch TV, in my case. Um, for some of you, maybe it was the day you had to play around the back because playing out the front wasn't appropriate. Anyone from the, the Hebrides would, would maybe be sensing a, a shame right now. But I, I don't know about you, but I'd struggle to get Sabbath to really just fit in, to sort of go hard for six days and then have one day and just stop. And when I see that, I'm like, you, you want me to take a day, God, and do nothing? Like, are you kidding? A whole day? What, what are we meant to do? What, what do I need to do? And Sabbath has always raised questions with me. What do I need to not do? Um, I'm not, am I good enough at not doing nothing at all? Is this the thing? I seem to struggle with the old message, don't do anything for the day, but sometimes I struggle with a newer idea of, you know, be at peace and fill it with joy and relax for the day. I feel like I need a break from trying to Sabbath. I need a Sabbath from Sabbath. So what is Jesus inviting us into? Here we have a story where he, he offends people. And he reframes and he reopens what Sabbath can be. What did Sabbath mean to Jesus? In Genesis chapter 2, probably the first understanding and the first mention of Sabbath we have is given. It's talking about the story of creation. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. There's something about that that's brilliant. As, as Josh, who's speaking on this tonight, pointed out to me, the first thing Adam and Eve really see God do is rest. What a beautiful thing that the, the first day of creation, their, their time as we're given, God is resting. They say, God, what do you want to do? You want us to work? You want us to go and build something? You want us to go and uh, make some more animals? And God's, ah, I'm good, you know. You guys, go for it. I'm, I'm relaxed. I'm enjoying creation. Dan Allender, in his book, Sabbath, opens up what Sabbath is and isn't intended to be. He opens and says, it's, it's not a day to perform religious activities, thoughtless routine or diversions, not about time off or a break in routine, not a mini vacation to give us respite. 
It wasn't God's little holiday from creating Mars. But it's an intentional choice to enter joy and follow God as he celebrates the glory of his creation. A feast day that remembers our leisure, anticipates our play in creation in new heavens and new earth. A day when the kingdom that God's created is celebrated. It's an encounter with God's delight. Dan puts it this way, will this merely be a break or a joy? Will this lead my heart to wonder or routine? Will I be more grateful or just happy that I got something done? So Jesus has this amazing experience of Sabbath, of rest, of being present in creation. And then we fast forward a few years to to Exodus where God's people are, are waiting to hear from Moses. What's the plan? What kind of life are we meant to live? What does it look like to be God's people? And the fourth thing, the fourth commandment God lays out is remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor daughter, nor your male or female servant or your animals or any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So they're passed on this. This is what Sabbath is. It's a set-aside day. But over time, these good intentions to preserve a good thing turned into policing and demanding what Sabbath looked like. The religious leaders of the time, some of the, the devoted Pharisees, made it a very strict time. And so for generations, it's strict observance. It's taken as far as that can be. The intention to bring freedom and rest began to bring strictness and guilt when it broke in. Enter Jesus into this scenario. He's, he's traveling with the disciples. He's just walking through a field on his way to synagogue. It's an, he hasn't gathered a crowd. He's just walking. It's like he's just dandering through a field in Fife or air. They're hanging out. And like so many of Jesus' best moments... There's an interruption into the normal every day that he has. So we're going to walk through the passage and just see what starts to happen. It says, at that time, Jesus went through the cornfields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some ears of corn and eat them. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. Now, I can't help but think every time the Pharisees appear every time someone accuses Jesus. It's kind of like the teacher look, where even if you don't have glasses, you get a look over the rim of the glasses. Always this sense of looking over Jesus and pointing out something that's just not good enough in their view. They're trying to stay faithful, but there's always an accusation. I was thinking, where do they keep popping up from? They're in a cornfield. Are they just like hiding in the corn, ready to go anytime? It's like a parent on social media, always there. <laughs> and then Jesus answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? Love it. Jesus takes this judgment, takes an accusation, 
and starts answering with a question. He's not justifying himself. He's not apologizing. He begins to offer up a question. He continues, he entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? Jesus takes this case against them and he starts building precedent of things that have happened before. He knows they're playing a game. He's not up for it. He offers them scripture. He offers them a precedent. He goes on, I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent for the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. What he just said there was wild. He just ended something there. He just said the son of man, me, is Lord of of the Sabbath. He just took it back in a cornfield on his way to the synagogue. He's turned that old way, that that clamped down way into a living way. What What an amazing guy. Going on from that place, says he went into their synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there and looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. They asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And that in itself should be a really big indicator for you. If someone's first response to witnessing the broken, the vulnerable, the maligned is, should we really be helping them today? You know, you probably want to check that. And Jesus comes, he said to them, if any of you is a sheep and it falls into a pit, on the Sabbath, will you, need to, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Jesus is saying it's a day to stop our busyness, a day to just shut up and notice what is around us. It's an invitation to cease. How are you going to know that one of your sheep is trapped down a pit if we can't hear it? Sabbath is an invitation to just stop and listen. To listen to the cry of people in the city. To notice people around us crying out for help, crying out with need. That's what we get to do in worship and in prayer. And when we gather here, man, we're not just singing songs or some words on the screen. The point of that is we stop, we focus. And in those moments, we begin to pray, we begin to listen for God's heart for people. Jesus continues. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. The next sentence I would anticipate was, They were all amazed and gave praise to God. The end. The response is, but the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. So it's callous. This is a great way to just suss out what cold, a cold religious spirit or something that's just gone too far begins to say. 
When people see the goodness of God and get upset at propriety or preference, you know there's a problem. When there's a cynicism or when we see a healing and it results in plotting to kill, we know there's a problem. When people take Sabbath and turn it into a a strict weapon, we know it's time to return to God and invite him to speak new perspective. There was an amazing uh, story I just read between services that Richard Cornfield, who leads Mustard Seed, um, put up. He he said of someone who came to Soul Food uh, last night, the week before, I believe, and uh, struggled with their hearing, and somebody prayed for them. And nothing happened instantly, but over the next few hours, um, wonderfully, their hearing was restored. Amazing. A couple of weeks ago, In our service here, one of the worship leaders said, hey, I feel like God might want to heal someone. Maybe it's like a sore shoulder they've got. And it was something that we offered. And and two different people were prayed for and and received healing. It's beautiful. And we don't don't get it. We don't have a, a book on the science of that or how it all happens. But something in us, I think, wants to rejoice. And I know that Whenever I hear those stories, I know I'm getting tired or I know I'm getting too into religion when I start to question and just ground at God for that. Oh, well, didn't he do that for me, did he? I didn't even get a biscuit after the service. <laughs> There's something in Sabbath and rest that God wants to, to light up in us. Sabbath gets renewed in Christ, we see. He's rewriting the story. He's catching its original intention. God is celebrating Sabbath. He's celebrating ceasing. He's celebrating ending. He's celebrating rest. He's affirming these. And then Jesus says he's Lord of the Sabbath, which means Jesus is Lord of what gets to cease. Jesus is Lord of what gets to end. And Jesus is Lord of what gets to rest. This goes beyond just a Sunday structured day that you carve out and you, and you rest and you break. This is into Jesus being Lord of change, Lord of the moments in our life. He's flipping it round. On this Sabbath day, Jesus, between going from his, his bed to the church and getting breakfast on the way, reframes and recaptures a millennial old tradition and turns it into something of his new kingdom. I didn't, like, I drove from Queensbury to church. I didn't, you know, if I went via McDonald's to get breakfast, I did not reclaim a tradition or, or set people free in that time. Why is it Jesus has this ability to just be on his way somewhere and then he just kind of drops something in which seems to change 2,000 years of tradition and hold on people. It's amazing. He ends sickness on the Sabbath. Suffering ended. The healing man, his suffering ceased. Hunger ceased on the Sabbath. He wasn't going to let the disciples go weak. But he invited them to eat. Religious judgment ended on the Sabbath. He wasn't going to receive that. This working of obedience to the very letter of the law to get favor with God, that ended. It rested. 
People serving the Sabbath ended. And Sabbath serving the people begins. Jesus loves it. He's, he's changing things. He's offering a new and living way. What we're seeing in this series is there's so many times where Jesus is not just tearing something down. He's not deconstructing, deconstructing, deconstructing and just leaving us with a pile of rubble that used to be our faith. Jesus is always reconstructing, recreating, offering a new and living way. So Sabbath for us doesn't just get torn down from how we grew up with it. Sabbath gets to be reclaimed in a new and living way. And that's what we get to ask God today. What does it look like to be in Sabbath, to rest? So there's three simple ways that believe uh, Jesus is Lord of Sabbath. If he's Lord of Sabbath and Sabbath is ceasing and ending and resting, then we're going to celebrate how things cease and how things end and how things can rest. So first of all, ceasing. And we want to get really, really, like really practical with some of these things. I don't want to just pile some sort of average biblical knowledge or interpretation to you and hope it's helpful. There's real questions here that make a real difference to where we are on Monday and where we are on Wednesday afternoon. God's in the business of moving and, and transforming us. So what needs to cease in your life? Is it a way of thinking? Is it an overworking, an overcommitment? Are your finances overcommitted? Or do you maybe just need to cease notifications from bombing your phone the whole time and interrupting? What do we need to just tweak? What needs to just stop? Jesus is Lord of endings. So when it comes to things that end, what has been completed? What do, you, what do you need to end? What do you need to finish and be done with? I, I recognized I had a, a project going sort of four years ago. And people alongside me who were passionate about it and, and they were ready to give up work time and, and put loads in. And my direction changed, but I never ended the project. I never ended things for people. And I recognize I need to say, we've finished. I need to celebrate something. I need to grieve something. I need to recognize how to end something really well. Endings are so important. If you, if you tell me the end to a film that I'm excited about, we're falling out for a month at least. Endings are crucial. <laughs> they resolve things. They, they mark moments for us. Many people, if you, if you talk about an experience, we really only just remember the beginning or the ending. How was church today? Yeah, finished on time. <laughs> How was the song? Oh, I love the last song. It's great. Yeah. But endings are so valuable. What do you need to end? And how do you celebrate an ending really well? And finally, rest. It's not a word that is so popular in our culture, perhaps. What do you need to rest from? What do we need to celebrate about resting really well? Perhaps the honest best thing you could do today from this message is have a nap and start recuperating. 
and taking care of our, of our bodies and respecting that they need rest. I know that I need that hugely. I struggle with Sabbath sometimes because I had chronic fatigue for uh, four or five years when I was in primary seven. So my life was cease and rest. And I sometimes struggle to cease and rest well. Do you need a, a break from some of the things that you do? I mean, even in church, maybe you've served and served and served and, and actually you, you need a break from serving to get perspective, to get focus. Lots of people in, in the worship team up here, most people at some point have, have probably come and said, do you know what? I need a rest for three months. And they come back refreshed and, and encourage us so much. So that Jesus, there again, Jesus, he's Lord of the Sabbath. He's Lord of celebrating Sabbath. Simple today. And Sabbath is ceasing and ending and rest. What do you need to cease from? How do you celebrate that? What do you need to end? What do you need to rest from? We're going to keep praying about that. We're going to bring that to the table in communion as we focus on Jesus just now. But let's hold some of those questions.